0: Welcome, everyone, uh, to the barge London's only floating church. If this is your first time, you're especially welcome. And welcome to this special event uh, where we're looking at the question Does God even exist? Uh, we're putting this on at a slightly different time to normal, so well done for doing the diary management stuff. Great to have you with us. And a special welcome to our guest speaker today, uh, Glenn Scrivener, who has come all the way from sunny Eastbourne uh, to be with us and originally all the way from even further south, down under in Australia. So he's going to speak to us for about 20 minutes and then if there's time, take questions and then we'll finish by half past. So without further ado, I'll hand over to him. Thank you. Great, thank you so much. Um, Good to be with you. Uh, You should have received perhaps uh, one of these little handouts, these little blue... Slips of paper, and, uh, and on it is printed uh, a passage in about eight-point font, I reckon. Um, so if, if you're able to have a look, this is taken from uh, the book of Colossians in the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul, he's the guy who's on the Damascus Road, gets beat up by the risen Jesus, and kind of realizes, ah, the lights turn on, he is Lord, he's the Son of God. Paul goes around planting churches around the Mediterranean, and he writes to them. Uh, Colossae is in what we would call Turkey today. And uh, in chapter 1 of his letter, you'll see that first sentence, chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, The sun is the image of the invisible God. And that's really what we'll be focusing on this afternoon. The sun is the image of the invisible God. We might get through some of the other verses, um, but we'll see how we go. The sun is the image of the invisible God. We're thinking about does God even exist? And as we ask that question, perhaps the first thing we we need to get clear is, which God are we talking about? Does God even exist? Well, is it obvious which God we're talking about when we say, does God exist? Uh, Ricky Gervais said this. He said, since the beginning of recorded history, which is defined by the invention of writing by the Sumerians around 6,000 years ago, historians have catalogued over 3,700 supernatural beings of which 2,870 can be considered deities. 2,870 deities. So, says Ricky Gervais, next time someone tells me they believe in God, I'll say, oh, which one? Zeus? Hades? Jupiter? Mars? Odin? Thor? Krishna? Vishnu? Ra? If they say, just God, I only believe in the one God, I will point out that they are nearly as atheistic as me. Gervais says, I don't believe in 2,870 gods, and they don't believe in 2,869. I wonder what we think of Ricky Gervais' point there. I think he makes a really good point. I think what he's directing us to is the question of which god. We're thinking about, does god even exist? Which god are we talking about? Uh, Richard Dawkins says this. He says, we are all atheists about most of the gods that humanity has ever believed in. We're well, all atheists with regards to, I don't know, do you believe in the ancient Egyptian god Osiris? Um, do you believe in the Aztec gods? No, you're, you're an atheist with regards to those gods. And Richard Dawkins says, some of us just go one god further. Is that the case? Is that the case that we all disbelieve in the vast majority of gods? Some of us cling on to one idea of God for grim life. Some of us are grown up and we throw away that last vestige of theism and, and then we are total skeptics, then we are totally rational, and we've gotten rid of the idea of the supernatural, and we, we no longer believe things in the same way that the sort of religious folk do. Is, is, that, is that how we think about things? I don't think we quite think about things that way. Uh, I think it's it's far more a case of there are lots of people who believe in different visions of reality that are around here. And to the degree that I move towards this vision of reality, I'm moving away from that one. And to the degree that I move towards this vision of reality, I'm, I'm moving away from that one. So is it the case that Richard Dawkins has disbelieved all these different visions of reality, and he's decided to go the whole hog, become an atheist, and now he is simply... Uh, a, a rational thinker who's just weighing up the evidence just rationally like that. Is, is that what's happened? I think no. Richard Dawkins has gone for the, the materialism option over here. And to the degree that you move towards the materialism option, materialism is just a belief that... Uh, the universe is all there is, was, and ever shall be. It's that that kind of belief. And I put that in religious terms, because to to me, it, it is almost a religious kind of belief, that the universe is all there is, was, or ever shall be. There's that belief. To the degree that you move towards that belief, you're moving away from this God, or that God, or this God, or that God. But we're all believers. We're all believers in something. But I think both Dawkins and Ricky Gervais they point us to something really important. We need to figure out which God or which vision of ultimate reality are we talking about when we're talking about does God even exist. And I've got to say that as, as a Christian, it's not that I have uh, an innate love of the concept of God. Like, I, I, could, I could care less about the idea of there being some kind of deity um, it's not that I'm sort of wired to believe in the supernatural. I've got no real interest in believing in the supernatural in general. Um, it would be a little bit like if after this, we sort of got talking and I said that, uh, yes, I'm married to Emma. And if you, if you ask me the question, Glenn, why are you married to Emma? If I then told you, well, I've always just believed in the concept of marriage. Uh, it's, it's always just seemed to me like a, a very, very fine institution. And so I've, I've just thought it, I, I would invest in the institution of marriage. If, if I said that to you as an answer, you would probably conclude that our marriage was not particularly healthy or strong. Or if you ask me, Glenn, why are you married? What am I going to say? I'm going to say, I met someone. Her name was Emma. And whatever I thought about marriage before I met her, she converted me. She converted me to the idea of marriage. Before, I wasn't particularly into the whole idea of lifelong commitment but I met someone who I could see myself being with long-term, and she's converted me to the idea of marriage. Uh, Christians will answer you the, the exact same thing. Why do we believe in Jesus? Is it, is it because we're just wired to kind of believe in institutional religion? Do we love the idea of institutional religion? Personally, I don't. I don't personally, be, you know, warm to the idea of there being some kind of supernatural superintendence of reality. It's not like an idea that... I sort of was born wanting to be true, I met somebody. And that somebody converted me to Christianity. Who is that somebody? Well, our verse says, the sun is the image of the invisible gods. It's really interesting. How, how is God described in this verse? Invisible. Invisible. And uh, in the Bible, that's not just, a, uh, it's not just like God would be a difficult <coughs> pictionary clue. I um, think God would be a difficult pictionary clue, but it's, it's far more that not to be able to see God in the Bible goes together with not, not knowing God. Uh, there's a verse uh, at the very beginning of John's Gospel. It says, No one has ever seen God, but God the Son has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but God the Son has made him known. And do you, do you hear how seeing and knowing kind of goes together in the Bible? The Bible says, Nobody naturally knows God. Uh, And we kind of know this, don't we? We we know that naturally we don't know God. We don't naturally have a connection to God. Because if if you go back to your workplace uh, this afternoon and and you you tell people, I was at the barge this afternoon and I met God in this really profound and deeply personal way. It was like I knew him, he knew me. We had sweet communion together. I knew God. If you say that, what what, what are your work colleagues going to say? I me- Aren't they going to say, that's really nice. Why don't you sit down, have a nice cup of tea. I'm going to call someone. <laughs> and when they get here, why don't you tell them what you just told me? Isn't that what you do? If you- when, when people today say that they know God, it sounds almost weird. Because we all kind of know that we don't know God. Not really, not naturally. No one's born with this sort of innate connection to God as, as, though, they, as though they know him personally. This, this verse says, yeah, that's right. Actually, God is invisible, unknowable. Why is that the case? Is that because he's hiding? Is God hiding? Well, if you, if you uh, let your eye go down to a little number 21, verse number 21, you'll see that here, here's the problem. Here's why God feels so far away once you were alienated from God. The Bible says that there's, there's been a separation. There's been an alienation. There's been a divorce, if you like. We're not on speaking terms with God anymore. And the Bible sort of lays the blame for that at humanity's feet. We have turned from God and we don't want to know Him in in large part. So there is this problem. There's a problem that God is invisible and unknowable. But there's a solution. Back there in that first sentence, verse 15, what is the solution? The Son, that is the Son of God, that is Jesus Christ, He is the image of the invisible gods. The question is always, which God are you talking about? And the Christian says, we look at Jesus. He simplifies the whole God question for us. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And as images of God go, I think that's a pretty attractive one. I don't know what your view of Jesus is. But according to the Bible, he is the one who came down to planet Earth, stood among us, not just to say, I am the image of the invisible God, but to actually come and serve us, to stoop, to suffer, to bleed, to die on a cross with his arms outstretched to the world. And Christians say, that's our image of God. I don't know what you naturally picture when you picture God. The Christian says, this is the God we're talking about. The one who would come and die on a cross for you because he would much rather die for you than live without you. That's the God that Christians are talking about. You might want to reject certain views of God, certain images of God. The Christian says, we reject those views too. There are, there are certain visions of God that the Christian also says, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. But the Christian does pin their colors to this mask. We pin, their, pin our colors to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Does God even exist? Which God are we talking about? The Christian is is clear that it's the God of Jesus that we're on about. And that's a a question you can ask uh, another way, even if you're an atheist or an agnostic. uh, Which God are you talking about? Which God don't you believe in? Would be the question for you. Um, Tom Wright was... uh, he was a bishop in the Church of England. He's now a lecturer up in Scotland. He was once a chaplain at, at an Oxford college, one of these Oxford colleges where you had to go up and spend some time with the chaplain in Freshers' Week. So uh, he would have all sorts of agnostics and atheists coming into his chaplaincy, and, uh, and they'd have to spend 15 minutes with him in the first week of university, and they were, they were very sheepish about it. They didn't want to be there, and that was obvious. And at some point, many of them would confess, Father Tom, I'm Dreadfully sorry, but uh, I don't actually believe in God. And, and, and Tom Wright had a great response. He said, Oh, which God don't you believe in? And the non Christian student would, would say, Well, just, just God, just the big guy, that, that, that one in the sky, you know. The one in the sky, you know, the head teacher, high on power, low on personality, that, that guy. And Tom Wright would, would have the great privilege of saying, You're absolutely right to reject that God. I don't believe in that God either. I am an atheist with regard to that God. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so he would tell them about Jesus. What would he tell them? Well, let's just, let's just have a look at some of these verses. Uh, sentence number 16. Still talking about Jesus, it says, for in him, in Jesus, all things were created. That's the biblical view of Jesus. Uh, I hope you know that the Christians don't just believe Jesus founded a religion. Christians believe he founded the universe. Okay? In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's a good question to ask about what your picture of ultimate reality is. I wonder what you would answer to that question. What is before all things? What do all things hold together in? If you go for the materialist option, before all things, there was either nothing and then the universe out of nothing. That, that would be one option. You could say before all things, there was nothing, absolutely nothing, and then a universe out of nothing, nothing. Um, As as a more religious person, I I look at that option, and I think that is a more miraculous view of reality than any religion has ever dreamt of. I mean, I I believe in something as nuts as the virgin birth of Jesus. Um, This would be to believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos, Uh, but without a virgin. Um, Just out of nowhere. You you might believe that before all things there was nothing, or you might believe that the universe uh, is eternal. Um, that, That doesn't seem to be where physics and cosmology are, they, they, seem to, they seem to think right now that, that the universe had a beginning. But you might think that the universe was eternal and that matter uh, is the eternal reality. But is, is that what ultimate reality is? Is that what is before all things and in, in that uh, impersonal material reality all things hold together? You can, you can certainly believe that. I don't think any of us in this room live like that is ultimate reality. Um, as, as we leave this place, uh, we will live as though personal connection is the greatest thing in life. We will, we will live as though meetings of hearts and minds are what life is all about. We will live as though love, joy, truth, beauty, and goodness are ultimate realities. We'll all live like that. And I guess the Christian is wanting to say, we have a vision of ultimate reality that actually matches up with what we most think is true about this world. We we most prize love, goodness, truth, beauty, joy. We most prize those personal realities, and we've got good news. Actually we think the reason why that, that stuff is ultimate is because it goes all the way down that before all things there was this one Jesus, together with his Father and the Holy Spirit, bound together in a communion of love. We think love is ultimate. Uh, and belief in Jesus allows us to say love is the greatest thing. Love is the ultimate thing. Before all things there is love. Before all things there is personal reality. We're able to say that because of our belief in, in Jesus. And I, I think that that is a great benefit to being a Christian. That we can match up what we think about ultimate reality with how we live day to day. We all live as though love is ultimate. The Christian says that's before. Before all things, before all things, there was love Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness to dwell in him. Christians have these two beliefs about God and Jesus. We believe that God is Jesus-shaped. God is utterly, completely Jesus-shaped. jesus shaped because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God is Jesus-shaped. But also, verse 19 says that Jesus is God-sized. All the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus. Um, God entirely and utterly Jesus-shaped. Jesus entirely and utterly God-sized. And then, a very surprising way of, of, of the sentence continuing, verse 20 All the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And then, verse 20, through him, God reconciles to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that's the end of that paragraph, really. It's a paragraph that begins by saying, Jesus is the image of God. And the paragraph ends by saying, and he dies a bloody sacrificial death on the cross. Can we put those two things together? It's very difficult to conceptually put those two things together. But this is what the Bible is is insisting upon. That Jesus, as he dies a bloody, sacrificial, God-forsaken death on the cross, he is picturing to us what God is like. Sometimes we want to talk about what happened on the cross. And this this verse talks about how Jesus was making peace on the cross. We don't have time to look into that uh, this afternoon. Please do come back and keep asking questions about what Jesus' death means. But sometimes we, we look at what happened on the cross. This verse is wanting us to th- figure out who is hanging on the cross. And the Bible says, he is the image of the invisible God. This is what God looks like. What does God look like for the Christian? One with his arms outstretched to the world, bleeding his own heart's blood for them, willing to go to hell and back for them. That's the image of God that Christians have. Does God even exist? Everybody disbelieves in gods. Everybody. There are thousands of visions of God that I disbelieve in. But I believe in this God. I believe in this one who loves me more than his own life. I believe in this one with his arms outstretched to the world, praying, Father, forgive them. I believe in this God. And I wonder if you would take the time to figure out whether this God might be the God. Could it be true? See, I'm not trying to force you into a corner with your arm up behind your back saying, you know, confess that Jesus is Lord as though it's a bad thing. Um, I'd love you to confess that Jesus is Lord and to rejoice in that fact because where else are you going to find a God like this? Where else are you going to find a God like this? There have been many believers in God in which God does not show up on planet Earth, does not make himself known. There are also other religions and philosophies in which the gods have come down, but they haven't been particularly attractive. And when you ask adherents to those religions or myths, you know, when did Thor do his thing? When did did that happen? you'll receive the answer, well, that that happened in a mythological dream time. It didn't happen in real history. With Christianity, you have something utterly unique. You have somebody coming down into our history, into our time and space, saying, here I am, I'm God. And yet, it doesn't happen in a a dream time. It doesn't happen in a mythological time or space. It happens in our history. And he's crucified under Pontius Pilate Mm. in that location, on that date, in our history. And if you ask me, I don't think there's another credible claim of anyone on planet Earth to be able to say, yes, I am the image of God. I am what God looks like. There's no other credible claim out there that's comparable to the claim of Christ. And there's no other claim that's as attractive as this one. Here is a God that would die for you. Could that be true? Well, I'll leave that for you to decide. There's plenty of more opportunities for you to keep coming back and and keeping on asking your questions. Uh, but for now, are there, are there any, um, there probably aren't any time for questions, are there, Mark? No. <laughs> I, um, I've overrun my time. But um, uh, thank you so much for listening. And um, keep on asking your questions. Not just, does God even exist? But ask, your, ask yourself the question, which God exists? Might it be Jesus? If it's Jesus, you're on to a winner. Thanks very much.